Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me, not in person. No, no. We are we are practicing social distancing. We're doing we're being responsible adults during these these trialing times, but at the same time we're still we're still performing and getting our our asses to work. Being adult. Being adults. Oh, what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but on the webs we got David Virtual Spoopy Boys. Oh shit. Also known <laughs> as Nightly on the other web. I don't know. I don't know what to call this. We got Freddy. <laughs> What's up? Spoopy Boys for life. Let's go. Nothing can hey. stop us. <laughs> also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, our feature film for tonight. Continuing things, you know, it's it's April Fool's month, right? So continue things with uh, our, our comedy horror. Die of Laughter. Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods. This is a lot mm, funnier than I remember. Guys. Thoughts? Lot. Yeah, like David was saying, this is definitely a lot funnier than I remember watching it the first time going. Yeah, because yeah. when I first saw it, I remember thinking like, this is a horror movie and the end, it's a, <laughs> it's a twist. I mean, it is horror, right? But it's a twist at the end that it's a comedy. And when I watched yeah. it, because I watched it in theaters. I think this came out like 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah, I 2012. So, yeah. I watched this in theaters. I barely remember watching it. But I remember being so clueless on what was happening the entire time. And sure. once that it started getting closer to the end, I was like, oh, something's happening. But this time around, I'm like, from the <laughs> beginning, you know something's up. And I don't yeah. know how I didn't catch it yeah. back in 2012. I'm a lot smarter now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in 2012, what, we were, I, I want to say that was 20? like, gosh, yeah, I was like 20 yeah. when this yeah. movie came out. Or maybe, I was maybe a dumb 20-year-old. That's for sure. I, I think I was 21. <laughs> but yeah, and I, I actually remember this movie being pretty funny. Um, and it, maybe it's just from the, the background that I come from or whatever with horror. But um, I remember this movie being like, oh, wow, this is really clever making fun of the trope. Like this is a, a really fun uh, movie that makes fun of the trope that we all kind of know when it comes to slasher films and even towards the end where it's just like oh shit we got our final girl but it's like oh shit but the the dumb guy is still alive like the, oh, this is this is crazy hey he's a smart and guy he is oh yeah smart he's guy. super smart but i i love this movie like i've always had such an like fascination with this movie just because one i wanted i I was super interested by josh whedon writing a horror film oh and i was like oh shit like that sounds awesome and then drew goddard got involved and i was like okay all right we're 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 really getting somewhere (laughs) i always man i always held this movie 
in a special regard in my heart. Like I remember always thinking like, damn, that's such a smart movie. And I'm surprised on Rotten Tomatoes is at 91%. Like I knew people thought it was mm-hmm. a good movie, but I didn't think people thought it was that good. Um, but I have sure. to agree yeah. with the score, especially the first time going around when you really sit down and take the time to watch it. I'm like, oh, what they're doing is super smart because it's it's a parody, but it's also a well done movie on its own right with it being a parody, yeah. right? Uh, and it really has 100%. you thinking. Uh, it's so funny because Bella and I just recently watched Step Brothers like twice. Like two days really? in a row, right? And then we go from that That's to so watching funny. Cabin in the Woods uh, because <laughs> I forgot the actor's name, but he's one of the main spectators. He's also the stepdad in uh, Step Brothers. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Richard Jenkins. Yeah. There you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, it just made it even funnier to watch. He, so he, here's another thing, too. You guys know, like, the, the, his cohort in that movie was also the dad in Get Out. Yeah, Bradley Whitford. Really? Yep. (laughs) Oh, damn. Let's just talk about that. This cast is amazing. Like, everyone played an important part, and, like, it actually worked really, really well. Yeah. I think this was Chris Hemsworth's, like, one of his first movies, right? It was was, when he was starting to gain popularity. I remember that. So, it's it's funny because this movie, Cabin in the Woods, actually was supposed to come out back in 2008 or nine. No way. Yeah, it got pushed back a lot. Well, it, it got canceled. Like, it, it wasn't pushed back because this movie wasn't supposed to release. Oh, damn. And I had no idea. It wasn't until Chris Hemsworth became Thor. So they started riding that Correct. train. And they were yeah, just like, yeah. oh, shit. Well, let's let's definitely let's get this out there now. Because this movie was only going to show in festivals and go straight to VOD. What? So let me ask you this, That's though. crazy. Was the movie, um, was filming wrapped up back in like 2008, 2009? And then did they continue? Yes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because I was watching this with Bella, right? And mm-hmm. we were hella commenting on the style of... Well, mostly at one part. We noticed the girls were wearing flats. And flats is very <laughs> 2010. And I yeah. was like, this is 2012. In my head, I was thinking like, oh, maybe it was 2011. And like when they filmed and makes sense why they're still <laughs> wearing flats. But I remember flats being like a thing that was like in, in 2008 to 2010. So I was like, that makes yeah. a lot more sense now. Yep. Yep. So it, it it's it's crazy because this movie is just like super duper old. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> ages well though. Old. Oh yeah, it ages perfectly. Yeah. This movie's great, and that's it, it's such a timeless movie. And that, and yeah. I have so much love for Drew Goddard. And um, there's that show, The Good Place. Uh, yep. Which I do not like that show <laughs> at all. I've watched like half of the season. <laughs> but Drew Goddard. Um, directed like five episodes and those are my favorite episodes because they're so incredibly dark. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the show's already sense. really, really dark, but still, yeah. like it's so crazy how dark they are and I'm, I'm, I'm super into it. Like that, like Drew Goddard, anything he does for some reason, like it's just always melancholy and just not really on the norm, I guess. Uh, like even with like Bad Times in the, uh, uh, at the El Royale, like, that movie wasn't really like a lot of people hated on that movie, and I fucking no, I loved that it. Movie. Yeah, it's like such I think a good that movie. movie's awesome, and I think what honestly made that movie just get such a bad rap was its trailer, because the trailer yeah. made it seem like it was either gonna be a mystery of some kind, and then for some reason it seemed like it was gonna be a comedy, and it's none of those. Like it's 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 such its own thing 
that ah oh, god fuck man watch bad times at the Royale. Yeah. god damn it i know we're a horror movie podcast but god damn it watch bad times at the Royale. <laughs> a little great. bit of a horror type movie yeah well, i guess when the a cult shit bit. started getting involved sure yeah yeah but uh and that's what i a gotta movie, love though. about this movie this movie is like a love letter to horror this brings in so many different elements, so much stuff from like old movies, and I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it it's, it plays on the tropes, it all the classic things you know about horror, and it just like I said earlier, it just builds upon it as a parody, but in its own right, it's just such a good movie. So right. even if you don't know the tropes, yeah, know, there's yeah, so absolutely. many different references, references from a bunch of old movies, new movies. I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no, there definitely is, and it's it's really great. I mean. It, granted some of the cg in the movie's a little tired but at the same time it, it still it works for what it is because it is a parody in a way um but it, and i find it super interesting that you said it's a love letter to to horror and uh because for some people they find that this movie is actually kind of a page rip of horror where because they take the tropes but they kind of flip it upside on its head to where yeah. they're yeah. kind of now making fun of the tropes yeah but at the same time it works like this really works like this movie is not supposed to play oh, yeah. like scary movie uh this yeah. movie is like it, it's its own right and i feel like it works very well yeah. uh especially with its storytelling and being able to make its own trope and be like yo i know you're used to this but we're actually gonna do this instead and we'll figure the rest of the shit out later I have to agree with like, you. I on love that. that. Yeah, because I love it. Even though it may be a parody and people may see it as it's like mocking the typical horror tropes, the story yeah. on its own, the ride is enjoyable and it's adventurous and it leaves you wondering for more up until the very end, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, in its own right, you have to respect it as a horror movie because of that. Because it, it's, I mean, I especially agree. during this era, like a, a little after 2010, I remember people, I mean, mainstream audience, right? Um, horror was kind of doing the same thing over and over on the mainstream era of this time. Mm-hmm. Like from a lot of the films that we explored, I realized that a lot of it, a lot of great horror films were just really left in the unknown for the majority of people. But this was a, yeah. this was a film. This is like right before like conjuring and all that came out. And we've talked about that before mm-hmm. where there was like this, like this rebirth of horror in the mainstream audience, like towards the yeah. later 2010s. Uh, and I feel like Absolutely. this is one of the films that kicked it off. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, totally I definitely agree. agree. I definitely yeah. agree because it, it it was one of those horror films that uh, was one in a long time that's gotten uh, a really high score, and everyone was like, "Oh shit!" Like we got to check this out. Like, yeah. this this movie got a ninety percent or higher, and like we we got to definitely check this out and see what what this is about. And and I love that. Like I like I'm glad like this was kind of a a, a help to reignite. Uh, the mainstream audience with horror. And the thing is too, when it comes to what you said, like, I mean, back in the two thousands in general, we got a lot of remakes, a lot of remakes. I mean, we got the, the uh, Asian tech horror uh, remakes. Um, We got fucking uh, black Christmas. uh, We did get black Christmas. We definitely did. I was going to say like the slasher remakes because we got Halloween. You got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You got Amityville Horror. You got it was just we got so many remakes. Friday the 13th, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like there was just there was so many. 
and it was tiresome. Like, that's not what people wanted. People didn't really want these remakes anymore, even though I will fucking fight anybody on the hill that Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> is one of the best fucking remakes in the entire world. But anyway, <laughs> I will fight you. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it just a lot of people just don't understand that, like, that's that was that's what kind of made this stupid terminology of elevated horror become a become a thing and i hate that word so much you guys know how yeah. i feel about that word um because horror has been elevated for fucking years horror has been so smart for years since like the 20s horror's been genius like we you just don't know that like horror's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. So um, true. But horror in a film has just been so predominant and so groundbreaking. And in my opinion, horror is what saves uh, Hollywood most of the time. Like, I am very interested to like actually not even mm. interested. I know for a fact. So many people probably watch Contagion based off of what we're currently in right now. Absolutely. That's like number one on Netflix. (laughs) Guaranteed. Exactly. Like there's so many people who have who have wanted to revisit all these quarantined based movies because of the situation that we're in. And all quarantine based movies are horror films. You know how zombie apocalypse and so on and so forth. You know how I can't I I can fucking fight everybody on this. You know how (laughs) that has to be true. I've never heard of that movie prior to COVID-19 uh, pandemic and uh, yeah. yeah and I uh, saw it on the top of Netflix didn't even look at what it was but you just bring it up I already know what it is so that just validates yeah. your point even more right uh, but 100%. it's so funny that you bring all that up because there's even a, a nod in the movie in Cabin in the Woods where it's they mentioned a line like, remember when you could just throw a woman into a volcano? <laughs> <laughs> right. What do you think? That's How so old crazy. am I? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into the plot, boys. We've been talking enough. <laughs> uh, but Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard, released on April 13th, 2012. A runtime of one hour and 35 minutes, a budget of $30 million, wow. and a box mm. office of $66.5 million. Hey. A score of 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey. Not fucking bad at all. But we open with all of this these bloodied sacrificial pictures during the title sequence. Then we cut <laughs> to a signage of a co- of a coffee shop, <laughs> and these two mi- or no of a coffee sign. Excuse me, and these two men, Citizen and Hadley, uh, talking about trying to have a baby. It, it kind of made me think. Where it's just like, how old are these men? <laughs> like Citizen <laughs> like right. looks definitely older for sure. And then the Hadley, like, he looks like he's maybe in his 40s, but whatever. Yeah. Um, They walk out of the break room, still talking, while a woman by the name of Lynn walks up to them and to tell them that Stockholm has gone to shit. She is telling them that they uh, that uh, there's only Japan and them being the U.S. Um, and they aren't too worried about it. Citizen and Hadley get into get. Um, on their cart, Hadley puts the blame on the chemistry department where Lynn actually works and then drives off. And it's so funny how he does it. He was just like, so who dropped the ball? It was the the chemistry department. Like, <laughs> uh, what department do you work for again? <laughs> so oh, wait, good. it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> 
Sitterson is trying to sip out of his coffee cup and Hadley ask him a question that he is ignoring and then title card with screaming and all that shit. I it's loved it. So Just good. In your face. Like, look, jump scare. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, uh, this really to- set the tone of the movie too, of like how old the movie's gonna go too. It's so like nonchalant, like, oh yeah, we're just having some small talk and all of a sudden horror comes out of nowhere, which I was like, yeah. yes, I fucking love it. I agree. It's so cool. Uh, we cut to house a house where a college student by the name of Dana is packing up for a trip. And uh, Dana, she, I, I, I thought this girl looked very familiar. Um, I did not know where she was from, but I thought she looked very familiar. And then I looked her up and I was like, yep, don't know who she is. I was going to say, I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, don't know who she is. Uh, While packing, she finds a picture that she drew of her ex-boyfriend slash old professor. Spicy. Her friend Jules comes up behind her to tell her to throw the photo on a dartboard. Dana turns around and she notices Jules' hair, then compliments it, but it takes her a while. She's like, oh my God, your hair. And she's (laughs) like, okay, you're starting to get me self-conscious now. Do you? like it (laughs) (laughs) Jules rips the image out of the drawing book and grabs Dana's bathing suit she tells Dana that Kurt has a friend that she is planning on hooking her up with Kurt comes through the door and throws a football at the girls but uh, it goes straight out of the window and his friend Holden catches it um, outside um, right before he's about to get hit by a car and I put here fucking hot (laughs) that dude is hot (laughs) bro that's Woo. not funny. Uh, he's in uh, <laughs> he's in Detroit. Become human. Is he guy. really? Oh he yeah, he's yeah, like the he's main like character. Right? Familiar. Apparently, he's from Grey's yeah. Anatomy too. Yeah. But I never watched that show. I never watched that show. Interesting. Either. Yeah. But yeah, that's a dude. Uh, <laughs> Kurt shares a little more about Holden and how he just transferred to the school and he plays football with him together. He has the best throwing arm in the West. Uh, he goes through <laughs> a little cute back and forth with Jules. Um, and I thought this was actually really cute. Like they were like making fun of each other and yeah. they seemed normal. They seemed believable. And yeah. It didn't seem very cheesy. organic, very organic yeah. conversations. Exactly. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, these dudes got some range. Actually, the fucking script in general is so good. It is. It's fun. fun. It's, it's fun. Like it knew, really it knew the proper parts where to be cheesy. Well, I exactly. like. I like how it really established like who these people were and like what type of person they were within this opening scene because it mm-hmm. watching Correct. it a second time, even though it's been many many years since I watched it, I'm like, oh, they really like they really try to show you like uh, in a genuine who way the characters are. Yeah, yeah, like this is what this person's like. This is what this person's like. Remember this. Cause and the it's acting important. is so good, and it's like what Prince said, it's very believable. Like yeah, these definitely. are already like li- from the beginning the scene where we were introduced to all these characters, they're all likable. I didn't like yeah. like not like anybody on this. It's like yeah. absolutely, yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. Actually, um, uh, while giving Dana some advice on what she should uh, read for her class, she share, uh, he shares that she doesn't have pants on at the end, and then he leaves. <laughs> uh, he's like, uh, and you have no pants. Uh, they are packing up uh, the Winnebago, and Marty pulls up smoking out of his thermos mug, listening to Asher Roth. I fucking love this dude. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy a lot. He's he's my favorite character, and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad things went the way they went. Kurt and right. Jules go over to him and start reprimanding him for smoking while driving because they don't want to get harassed by the cops on the way to the cabin. And I was just thinking, oh my god, you guys are white. You're going <laughs> yep. to be fine. <laughs> but I put here trope roll call. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Let's do yeah. it. 
All right. We got the lustful couple. Chris Hensworth and this girl, (laughs) or I'll go by their actual names, Kurt and Jules. Then we got the girl who has just recently broken up and not really looking for love, but she's kind of available. Nudge, nudge. (laughs) That's going to be Dana. Dana. (laughs) And then we also have the new friend who seemingly came out of nowhere, and he just moved to this town, and uh, la-di-da-di-la, he's going to go meet these new friends on this trip. And uh, that will be Holden. And last but not least, you cannot have the slasher trope completed, folks, without the lovable stoner. Yep. Marty. Good old Marty. So we got uh, those tropes there that actually really got me into this genre. Like it was that it was those tropes that really made me feel like, huh, cool. All right. This is this is how these these movies go. And then I explored more. And obviously I have over 600 horror films that I've watched in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Marty gets out of his car, locks it by pushing the lockdown button, but through outside of the car through his window. Great. I loved it. That was fucking amazing. Did anybody notice that? (laughs) Yeah, it was so good. So good. He closes the flask bong and heads to the van with the others. And I thought that was so cool how he did that. Where they're oh, just like, so you, cool. we're, you can't you can't be in the car with this thing. He's like, it's like that, thing? That's ridiculous. He, he, t- he takes it out. He's like, oh, that's ridiculous. Honestly, I when I so saw good. that, I was, I was like, I want to get that for someone. So I was wondering, like, can I Dude, actually buy that online? Can you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure you probably can. I don't know if it will work that way. But I don't know. <laughs> Uh, who knows? But I'm sure you you can definitely probably find one of those. Yeah, I love um, this character. Yeah, he always he's reminds great. me of Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. Even the way most, he like goes inside the RV, he's all like, "Dana, you fetching minks?" <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this guy? It's so likable. He's so good. And now they're on their way. The camera pans up and we see a man with a microphone telling someone that they have left. And he's like, the crows have left the list. (laughs) Back in the van with everyone. And Jules mentions that they are going to the middle of nowhere. Marty starts going on a high rant about going off the grid while rolling up a few joints. We cut to Citizen and Hadley going into a vaulted room. And a man by the name of Daniel asks for their credentials. Hadley starts by telling Daniel how things run around here and how things work um and he's just like this is your first day on the job or blah 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 blah. and he was like yeah just cool it out with the official stuff blah 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 they sit down and start getting to work turning on systems and shit the tropes the trope squad pulled pulled into a broken down gas station kurt goes out to fill up the car and the rest of the crew out too so everyone just gets out of the truck or out of the van Holden goes into the shop, even though it says closed. And I was even thinking, I was like, it says closed. I wouldn't go in there. Um, and there's a lot of wild hick shit that's all up on the walls. There's like dead animals and other things, jars filled with stuff. And yeah. Very typical mm-hmm. campy horror scary. I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Spoopy. And, <laughs> and, and it feels like they do this mainly because of like the main trope that we're used to with... Um, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, House, uh, 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 wait, excuse me, I was gonna say House on Haunted Hill, but that's not right. Um, uh, the Hills Have Eyes, and so on and so forth. More of those kind of like, yeah. uh, really odd. I guess you're you're in the middle of nowhere horror films. Mm-hmm. 
Um, while coming out of the gas station, a man comes out of nowhere and scares the shit out of Holden. He tells him that the signs say they are closed, but Kurt tells him that they are uh, they are looking to get some gas, and Jules starts asking him about directions to Tilliman Road. The man tells them very briefly about the house before rudely calling Jules a whore. Mm. I was like, whoa, this fucking shit escalated quick. Yep. So aggressive. <laughs> Super aggressive. Marty and Kurt stick up for her, but Holden breaks it up by telling them that they have enough gas now and they should go. The the creepy dude tells them that they have enough gas to get there, but not enough gas to get back. They all head back in the van and dip out. While driving into a tunnel, a falcon is flying over, over or excuse me, a, fa- a falcon is flying, then runs into a force field, and the van comes out of the other end. Uh, they make it to the cabin, and it is... All uh, dilapidated. It is disgusting in there. It's gross. And, like, everyone thinks, or, no, it was Kurt who thought it was, like, the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah. He was like, this is awesome. He's like, this is awesome. Dana goes to open the door and check it out inside, and everything looks old, but uh, a lot bigger than what it looks like on the outside. Yeah, for sure. Kind of surprised me. Now, I've never seen the movie, but did this cabin look like Evil Dead? Am I correct in thinking that? Right. No, it definitely looked like it too. They had some similar shots from like the ground up view, like the Evil Dead has, which was kind of cool. Well, the house was definitely supposed to resemble it. Yeah. Um, and mainly oh, because of like the basement, because yeah. that's where you find the neck, the Necrocomicon. Yes. Um. Yeah. So when you find the Necrocomicon, it's under, it's in the basement, and it's pretty much the Book of the Dead, the Necrocomicon, Got which you. is. Yeah. A fucking great name, but the Necrocomicon <laughs> is fucked up, dude. It's a it's a book that's made with a uh, skin. Yeah, it's gnarly. It is. It's way more gnarlier in the remake. Um, but like, it's like a man's face is stretched all around the book, and like his yeah. ear is on the uh, bind of the book. It's so fucking cool. The Necrocomicon's a fun one. Um, <laughs> it's a fun one. It's a stretched it's a out fun face. One. It's, it's a great. It's a great book. I, there's this pillow that I really want. Um, oh, and it's it's a it's of the Necrocomicon, and I really really want it. That's but so Catherine's creepy. Like, no. <laughs> No. She won't let me get the creepy shit. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) This is the creepiest thing I could do. (laughs) The rest of the crew come inside and Kirk compliments the place. Um, They are all looking looking for their room and Holden notices a painting of these people killing this animal. Brutally. Brutally. And um, he was just like, nah, fuck that. We're (laughs) taking this off. Not okay with the painting, he goes to take it off of the wall and notices Dana on the other end looking through. He notices that it's actually a double-sided mirror and begins to stare at her until she starts taking off her clothes. A little nervous, he's trying to think uh, think about if he should continue looking at her undress or not. Holden then comes in and he's a good guy, everybody. He's a good guy. <laughs> Holden bangs on the wall to tell Dana about the double-sided mirror. Everyone else comes into the room to check it out. They are all taken back by it, and Kurt picks Jules up and says uh, <laughs> that they are going. They're going to check to see if there's any other rooms <laughs> that has this mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. Everyone leaves, and Holden suggests um, that him and Dana should switch rooms. They have a little flirtatious back and forth until Dana buzz kills with the whole thing by. What, I forgot what she says specifically. But. Oh, uh, he's internally bleeding inside. It's like, oh, you should talk to my friend. Yeah, she's you a should nurse. talk to my friend. She's a nurse. Oh, no, you should and talk she, to, uh, yeah. is it Jules? What? Jules, there we go. Yeah, That's Jules. Yeah. She's she's a med student. And he's like, oh, oh okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then okay. she even realizes what she she's just like, said. She's like, lame. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-mm. Anyway, back in the other room, Dana sees holding intentionally changing. He like you we all know. Like, oh, come yeah. on, bitch. Like, motherfucker, we know damn well you are doing that shit on purpose. Hey. His body was good on him. Like, he he could he yeah. could do it. He could pull it he off. Could he could do really it. pull it off. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I would have um, done the same thing. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, Freddie. That's right, Freddie. You do it. Uh, Dana looks at the picture and puts it back up on the wall. Um, and then uh, she can't handle the picture, so she actually puts a blanket over it. And that blanket yeah. was like the perfect length of that picture. It's like they a little planned it out. Too perfect. Yeah, a little too perfect. <laughs> the camera pans out, and we notice that they are being watched by Citizen and Hadley. Uh, Lynn comes back into the room and tells Citizen that they need to increase the libido. <laughs> That's right. Hadley gets a call from someone from the Harbinger, and it's Mordecai. He's on, he's on the phone. That was a little fucking freak we met at the gas station. And he's getting a little freaked out. Uh, and the guy who's talking to him at first was getting a little freaked out by Mordecai. So he's just like, yeah, I don't want to talk to him. Uh, Hadley takes the call and it's, uh, it's, um, and it's Mordecai. And uh, he <laughs> starts going on about all this metaphorical shit. And they start going on and on and on. And then he realizes that he's actually <laughs> on, speaker on speakerphone. <laughs> no, my God. That was so funny. So good. He's like, am I on speakerphone? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, yeah, you're on speakerphone. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me let me take you off. Um, all right, you're you're off. And then he continues, and then everyone just starts bursting out laughing. And then he realizes that he's still on speakerphone. And then we're <laughs> back with the trope squad. The Holden best. and Dana jump into the lake, and and they're obviously having a good time. Kurt throws the jewels in, and then uh, <laughs> and then he jumps in shortly afterwards. Back in the office, Citizen is taking bets from everyone in the other departments. Lynn notices that Daniel is not betting, and she goes over to him and asks why he isn't betting. Daniel says that it is not for him, and he asks... Um, if the directors above know about this and Hadley chimes in by saying that they don't give a shit what they do down here. Daniel rebuttals that it is fixed because they control the outcome. Hadley and Citizen rebuttal um, his rebuttal by telling them that uh, uh, they have to make all their own choices. They chose to go there and that's why we have the Harbinger to sort of detour them so we can give them a choice. Um, Yeah. They rig the game as much as they need to, but all of it is up to the actual players. Um, Hadley asks Daniel if he is going... Oh, excuse me. Uh, yes, that is the right spot. Hadley asks Daniel if he is going to bet, but he tells them that he is fine, and he holds the bag out for Lynn, and she uh, very timidly puts her money in. <laughs> we cut to those meddling kids hanging and playing truth or dare. Marty dares Jules to make out with that moose head. <laughs> I oh, dare to was. make out with that moose. <laughs> and they're like, that is clearly a wolf on the wall. <laughs> uh, now, that, that was, was actually a uh, reference to the Evil Dead. So, yeah. Oh, fun, okay. fun fact there. There was a, a evil moose, moose head, or it was a deer technically, but uh, that comes to life in the movie. Great, great, fucking great movie. She heads over to the wolf's head and starts flirting with it before she starts full-blown making out with the head, and she is going in, licking the teeth and everything. Dude, this shit was nasty. That was yeah, so gross. That was yeah, nasty. Was... I, didn't, I did not think that was attractive at all. I would have been, like, been that one dude to be like, ugh, <laughs> stop. Same. Please stop. 
Like, I don't like this. I don't like this. No, no, this is not fun for any, wasn't, any of us involved. But Everyone is looking her. at her. <laughs> good for her, yeah. Everyone is looking at her do this, and the men are turned on, and Dana obviously weirded out by it all. They clap her back to the couch, and Jules picks uh, Dana, but Kurt answers for her with truth. He tells her that he is <laughs> skipping ahead because she is going to bitch out when she chooses Dare. Dana pretty much tells him to fuck off and chooses Dare anyway, but a hatch to the cellar door immediately flings open. Everyone flips out, and Jules tells Dana to go down there, and she dares her to. She heads down and starts looking around, and there is all types of shit down there. And put here, I love how this uh, how this is actually how they choose how they're going to die initially. Oh, for and sure, I, this I is love super this creative scene. and super duper fun. Was it, what I was really happy about is like after watching this movie for like this is probably my third time watching it. I knew what every object was <laughs> based on like the monsters we see later. I was like, oh shit, it could have been this. Oh shit, it could have been that. Yeah, that's well, such so, a good So thing. what what monster would you have wanted it to be then? Uh, if I were to choose, ooh, mm-hmm. I would say uh, those little freaky squad with the masks. Like the, like the por- strangers? Porcelain? The porcelain masks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the strangers. Yeah, like the strangers. Yeah, they would have been a lot better than what they got. It, but- <laughs> it, would, it, would have, it wouldn't have made sense for the cabin scene, but it would have been fun. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, or I, man. I the merman, yeah, yeah. Uh, the merman, the merman would have made sense for sure. That would have been dope. Um, I think for me, I I would have loved for it to have been uh, kind of that that uh, Hellraiser dude. I knew you would have said that head. when I saw yeah. that guy. I was like, that's what Prince would have been like. Oh, I would have been sick. If we got that monster. Yeah. yeah. But it's okay. I can see them in Hellraiser. I'm fine with that. Uh, Dana sees a picture of, of a girl and screams from it. Everyone runs downstairs to check on her and start noticing all the shit that is down there with her. Marty is not cool with any of this shit and suggests that they all go back upstairs. Everyone ignores him and continues looking at all the stuff around the room. Marty even sees something that catches his attention. Jules finds a locket. Dana finds a diary. Kurt finds a spiked puzzle ball thing. Holden finds a music box with a ballerina spinning around inside. And Marty finds film strips. Everyone is uh, is fucking around with all the stuff. Dana calls everyone over and starts reading the diary of the massacre of the family that lived here before. Dana stops in the reading because they make it uh, they make it to a part with Latin in it. And Marty tells her not to read this next part, but a voice is whispered in um, whispered to read it. But the only person who can hear it is Marty, um, and he freaks the fuck. I was like, "What the fuck did you guys hear?" That? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marty hears the voice in Dana. Dana is about to read it, and Marty is about to take the book out of her hands, but Kurt pushes him away and tells him um, he is being a baby. Dana starts reading it again. We see these killer zombies coming out of the ground with these hatchets, saws, and all this other type of crazy weapons that they're, they're, they're going to use to yeah. uh, kill our, our trope squad. Trope we squad? cut back to the office. and Trope squad! <laughs> we come back to the office, and Citizen, <laughs> Citizen tells them that they... Uh, that, um, th- Oh, excuse me. I wrote this wrong. Uh, we cut back to the office, and Citizen tells them that Maintenance and Ronald the Intern win with the zombie redneck torture family, because <laughs> that's what they all betted off of, and, and Ronnie's stoked, or Ronald's stoked, right? He's right. just like, oh, yeah, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but we got quite the list there, and I wrote every single one of those monsters down. Tell me so why we're about to surprised. do our monsters roll call. <laughs> monsters roll call. We got first monster. Werewolf, alien beast, mutants, wraiths, zombies, 
Reptilious. Clowns. Witches. Sexy witches. Demons. <laughs> Hell Lord. Giant snake. Deadites, which is the dude with the saws in his head because uh, Cinnabites. Um, Kevin. Do you guys want to take a guess on who Kevin could possibly be? Uh, uh, Kevin Bacon. Nope. Oh. Kevin Federline. Okay. <laughs> nope. Wow. Kevin is a character that was the character that Elijah Wood played in Sin City. Oh. Oh, interesting. Kevin was the guy with the super the sharp nails, up, yeah. and he would uh, fucking just scratch the shit out of people. And <laughs> he would, yeah, it was nuts. But he also, he had the best death scene in that movie because his head got decapitated, but he he didn't uh, scream at all. He just smiled while his head was getting decapitated Damn. the whole time. What the yeah. fuck? I remember yeah. that. Dark. That's Kevin. So that's a little Easter egg that was on that list. Mummy, the bride, the scarecrow folk, the snowman, dragon bat, vampires, dismemberment, uh, goblins, sugar plum fairies, mermen, <laughs> the reanimated, unicorn, the huron, sasquatch slash wendigo slash yeti, dolls, the doctors, <laughs> zombie redneck torture family, jack-o'-lantern, giant, and twins. Mm. One of the people was upset because they chose zombies, but Citizen tells them uh, tells her that uh, they are entirely different. <laughs> Daniel Back. is... T- and, bro, I was like thinking that too. I was like, duh. Look at it. Hard Read, facts. lady. Read. God, stupid. People are dumb, you know? Uh, but <laughs> Daniel is talking with Lynn about the monstrous creatures and how things uh, work around there. Lynn tells, tells him that uh, you will get used to it, and Daniel wonders if you ever should get used to it in the first place. Citrusen heads over to check in with Hadley because he was upset about losing. They start, talk, they start talking about how his monster set never fails, and Hadley makes a joke about calling, calling up Japan. Then we see an image of Kyoto, and there are schoolgirls screaming from the from <laughs> This yeah. ghost girl terrorizing them while a few others are trying to get out. I fucking love I was this. Like that. This is my favorite uh, part uh, of the movie. so intense. Uh, it, it is intense, but at the same time, that ghost isn't doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's just little girls. Like, no one's dying. No one's That's like, true. It, was, it, it, it even ended when there was like zero fatalities. Whatever. Yeah, but honestly, like, come on. they're calling out like that, different country horrors, right? And it's like no one dies yeah, yeah. a lot of times in those other yeah. movies. But like with like something like it's playing off the grudge, right? Or a lot of those Japanese horror films. And it's just like people was, freak out just, just from Japanese the tech horror general. Yeah. Yeah. But the grudge killed you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's the thing. Grudge killed you. And so did Juan, which is the grudge. But it. it same thing in Shudder. You got killed in Shuttered. You got killed in Ring. Shutter. You got killed in uh, uh, One Miss Call. So, like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, uh, that's true. I think it was just more so a play on... It was just like... I think you're right, though. I think it was a play on Japanese tech horror in general. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. That's fun. I love it. Uh, back at the cabin, Jules is dancing while everyone watches her in the living room. And boy, is this awkward. Uh, she starts flirting with Marty and tells them that they had a little fling in freshman year. And Marty responds like it was just one kiss. Uh, Kurt <laughs> yeah, and I never and bought Jules- that ring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Kurt and Jules leave the room and Marty's, uh, Marty starts talking to Dana about believing all, uh, believing all of this shit with Kurt and Jules and how weird they're actually acting. Dana says he is high and walks away. Um, she walks up to hold it and, and hands him a drink while he is translating the Latin she read earlier. She, uh, we cut to Kurt and Jules running around the forest about to have sex. Then we see that all of these uh, fucking nerds in the office are watching them 
on the screen <laughs> with awe. She's <laughs> she says that she is cold, and Hadley tells them to uh, get out of there, and she and uh, the show is over. She was about to take her top off, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm cold. And then, yeah, no. Um, they turn up the pheromones, and Jules turns around and starts kissing Kurt some more. She tells him that it is too dark and uh, to take her inside. The suits crank up the lighting, um, and then Kurt and Jules start getting busy. Daniel tries to interrupt interrupt them by uh, saying it doesn't really matter, but Citizen and Hadley tell him that they aren't the only ones watching. Jules takes off her shirt while kissing Kurt and extends her hand out, then zap. The zombie freak emerges from the shadows and Jules crawls away screaming. Kurt shoves one one of them down to the ground and then stabbed by another. He pulls out the huge blade from his shoulder. God damn, it is no fucking way your arm should be working. Right. But there is is this big motherfucker with a bear trap in his hands. This motherfucker takes a swing at Kurt and he is down but not out. Jules is next and gets dragged by the bear trap of the zombie dude and Kurt is forced to watch the zombie saw her abdomen in half. Was I the only one who wanted to see it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they didn't I mean, show it was, us. It was a good use of like camera tricks. I mean, I love yeah. where they like zoomed up on the saw and then like it lined up perfectly with her eyes. I was like, damn, this is actually horrifying. It was a good oh, yeah. blend no, no, no. between this, like this comedy de- and horror. Scary. It was like, damn, they're they're good at this. This is fucked. Let me take the and comedy impression on like this. Cuts. I yeah. loved, I just got to add, I loved when you see all of the guys in the room looking up at the monitors trying to see a titty. And they're just <laughs> right? like, come on, come on, show us titties. Yep, pretty much. Like, and, and, and initially, that's 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 slasher films, yep. right? I mean, like, come on. Like we kind of want to see it. Like, just like you say multiple times again and again, David, like, they're, slasher films, they were a big tit fest. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, we, we had it running for a few episodes. We were like, this is the titty of the episode. Yep. <laughs> this is the titty Fair of facts, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, cut to the suits and start, pr- um, and they start praying to, uh, to the being, t- uh, to make up the death of Jules. Um, Hadley goes over to a lever and pulls it. Mm. Uh, these gears start going and breaks some glass to release blood onto this carving. Back with Marty reading Little Nemo high as shit, but then he hears the whispered voice again. So and he good. hears the voice yet again saying, go for a walk. And he gets out of his bed and starts taunting the voice. And he's like, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the other two are on the couch making out. Dana stops kissing Holden and starts um, stuttering on on not wanting to go further. And Holden tells her nothing that she doesn't want. Um, Marty walks out of the room and casually says he has an, he has a husband bulge. Ugh, and I wasn't I too that. clear if that's what he said before, so I went back and put the uh, oh, that's what he said, closed yeah. caption on, and that's what he says. Yep. I'm just like, so I don't, that's from really uh, no, it, when she was reading about the the family, they were talking about mm-hmm. when they used to like torture people. He had a husband's bulge. Yep. So it's a reference to that. Oh, that's right. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So 
There's a reference. Um, outside with Marty whistling, and he looks up into the sky, but notices that there aren't any stars in the sky. He goes to take a piss, and there is a, uh, there is a zombie girl lurking behind him. Before it can come get him, Kurt comes up to uh, comes up to him and tells him to run. While running, he clotheslines the shit out of the zombie chick. Like, dude, so good. <laughs> fucks her up. Like, goddamn. Uh, like, it looked like you broke her neck. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing that. I was like, damn, it's like, boy. It's like yeah, watching it those great. NFL highlights of like hardest hits in 2017. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, they run back into the house and in a quick panic, they notice all of the blood on Kurt. They ask him where Jules is, and he tells her that he tells them that she's dead. Dana opens the door, and the big motherfucker there is holding Jules's head and throws it at Dana to catch, and she does catch it. And she notices that it is uh, Jules. Then begins to scream and and uh, throws it. Kurt and Holden run over to close the door, but uh, can't get it closed until Dana runs over to close the do- uh, help them close it. They start understanding a bit of what's going on, and then Kurt says that they need to stick together. Uh, cut back to the suits, and Hadley is not happy about this decision. Citizen puts uh, puts in the work and starts pushing some buttons and shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> once this is done in the uh, once this is done in the house, it opens up some vents, and Kurt starts to say that they should actually split up. And they will cover more ground. And I love this part because Barty's just like, "How does that make any sense?" <laughs> like, <laughs> Holden agrees, uh, but Barty doesn't. Um, but then the zombie freaks are bursting through the doors. Kurt tells them to get in their rooms, and they all go into their <laughs> rooms separately. Sense. So they dumb. all go, they all go into their separate rooms, and Hadley and Citizen lock them into their rooms right after. Freaked out, Marty knocks over a lamp and notices that there's a camera in the lamp. He pulls it out and starts looking at it. Citizen comments on how this isn't good, and Hadley tells him to move out of the way so he can call in some drugs to pump into the room. Citizen tells him to call it off because one of the zombies are coming to kill him anyway. Marty tells uh, Marty starts pulling the wires um, of the hidden camera and highly and highly gets stoked because he's like, I'm on a reality TV show. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are gonna think I'm such a burner. <laughs> then a zombie breaks through the window and he has enough time to grab his bong thermos. He extends it and takes a whack at the zombie's head, but no effect. Marty tries to run, but the zombie throws the knife at um in his back and starts dragging him away to finish the job. Once, uh, which uh, calls for yet another lever of blood to be pulled. Um, this is the part that I don't truly understand with the levers, because the levers pull blood, but I thought it was the blood shed from them. No, not. I think it's just symbolic. It's just random blood. Correct, and that the reason why like everything started time. earthquaking was right. because it wasn't. Well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. But we start to get more of the, more of the image, and but then it starts to uh, rumble um, the whole space. Back with Dana, while trying to put uh, put up a closet to block the window, a zombie bursts through the window, uh, bursts through a piece of the window, and she is trying to get out of there. Holden breaks the two uh, breaks the two way mirror that is separating the room, and she heads in- heads into his room instead. Excuse me. They put up a bed to block the window and notices another cellar door underneath. Dana opens the door, but uh, before going. Uh, before going, she uses the lamp to check if anyone is down there. Uh, nothing is down there, so she heads down. Kurt is at the door and tells Holden to unlock the door. Holden tells him uh, to go to the basement. 
Dana notices that uh, it is the room where all the zombies were uh, initially killed. While looking for a way out, Holden is walking back towards Dana, and the bear trap dude grabs Holden with the trap and pulls him up towards him. I thought that looked so fun. I was like, Woo! So crazy. <laughs> that was so good. Um, but this is yet another trope that happens in slasher films. When um, And this is actually, this is not an old trope. This is a new trope. So this is more of a newer slasher film kind of trope here where uh, the individuals try to um, initially figure out what happened to them and also other stuff. And previous horror films, like in the 70s and the 80s with slashers, that didn't happen. They didn't give a shit. They were just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, but when you get this a lot in Friday, Friday the 13th, the, the remake, and, and the Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, and things like that, where they try to figure out, oh my gosh, this happened to Freddy, um, right. where our parents killed him because of this, and blah, 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 and poor Jason, this happened because he was misunderstood, and he was picked <laughs> on, and the counselors didn't care, and that's where that trope kind of comes into place where it's just yeah. like it's a bullshit trope and it should have never been added just survive <laughs> uh dana grabs him to pull uh to pull him down and the zombie is slightly or and the zombie um uh Excuse me, and she stabs the zombie slightly in the eye, um, but he is not done yet. She repeatedly stabs the zombie until he lets until he's completely out, but then we notice later that he comes back. While waking while walking back, Kurt opens up a door and gets them out of there. Um, they make it to a, to the van and start getting out and start fucking trying to just dip. We cut to the schoolgirls in Kyoto defeating the evil spirit and putting the spirit in the frog, and we get that iconic scene from Citizen. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. This shit was Literally. my favorite. This was my love favorite it. scene in the whole yeah, entire movie. Same. I love it. Same. Yeah, I love that scene so much. It was so funny. Uh, Lynn calls calls in and starts uh, talking about Japan, and Citizen is letting her know that, uh, that downstairs doesn't care about Japan anyway. They trust them. Hadley goes to check in on their progress, and a group, uh, and a group are headed towards the tunnel. The suits notice that the cave is open and start trying to get to uh, get to demolish or demolition as fast as they can. While our gang tries to drive away, Citizen is running through the hallway and makes it to the demo uh, to the demo team. Lynn goes into the control room, asking Hadley about the tunnel not being blown. Meanwhile, the trope crew are driving through the tunnel, and Citizen is able to find the correct wire to launch the explosives to blow up the tunnel. Cool. He's MacGyver. <laughs> Kurt immediately backs up to make uh, make it out of the tunnel before they are crushed by the rocks. Kurt, Holden, and Dana are looking at the other side trying to figure out a way across. Holden jokingly talks about jumping it, and then we cut to Kurt um, grabbing his motorbike and starts revving it up to jump across. All right. Fuck. Uh, Dana asks him if if he is sure that about the jump, and he's like, "I've jumped larger things than this." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Have you, dude? <laughs> really? Because that's far." Like, yeah, that's far what I was thinking too. Like, that's what? fucking far. You have it. You're a fucking liar. He tells him that they, that he is going to help them. Um, he's going to bring back cops, choppers, which large fucking guns, and <laughs> so those things can pay. And I just put here, okay, Jan. Dana kisses him on the cheek for good luck, yet the other trope, and revs up to get ready for the jump. He gets some room and starts going for it. Then he hits an invisible wall. 
the same wall that the Falcon yeah. hit, and it was great. Man, the first time seeing so that, good. I remember it just violent, just going <gasps> and just being like, "What's going on?" <laughs> Dude, I love yeah. the lighting in this too. It's yeah, so great. It's done well, and it doesn't look cheesy today either. No, 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 so no. Good. cheesy at all. And it actually sounds really good too. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, the clunk. Clink, and then clink, as clink, it clink, keeps clink, going clink, deeper clink, and deeper clink, and deeper, clink. and deeper you, it gets a little more it. faint and faint. Yeah, it's nice. Um, and I, I like the, the fact, too, that he never hits water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just a bottomless pit. I it's was just, thinking that, too. I was like, damn, pit. dude, how deep is that? Yeah, it's just bottomless. Uh, I'm sure it just probably fell all the way down to where the uh, the gods were. Yeah. Uh, both Dana and Holden scream from the impact and are wondering what did he hit. Uh, Dana repeats the, uh, what Marty says earlier. Puppeteers. He says that he was right. Holden tells her that uh, they need to get back into the van, and yet another lever goes down for the ancient ones. Holden is driving back, and Dana tells him that there is no point in driving this way because uh, something will blow up or collapse, which will block them in. While talking, a zombie stabs Holden in the throat, and they crash Fuck. into the lake. Dana gets out of the van to swim up to the top, and the zombie grabs her foot. She kicks the zombie once. That was enough. And gets out of the van and keeps swimming up to the top of the surface. We get this awesome cut of the suits pulling out uh, uh, beers from this ice chest, and I fucking love that cut so much. It's like the cut where she's going up to the top and then Right when she's coming out of they pull out the beer. And I'm like, this is, that was so great. That was so (laughs) good. Oh, man. Uh, Citizen Lynn and Hadley are celebrating their deaths, and Daniel is confused as as to why they are celebrating. Hadley tells him that the virgin's death is optional. As long as she suffers, and she obviously has, then that is enough for them. And I put here, I love how this movie just kind of goes like a big fuck you to the uh, slasher trope, <laughs> which right. is way ahead of its time. It's so good. Um, while Hadley is uh, talking about, while Hadley is talking, um, he tells him that he is actually he was actually rooting for her uh, to get out of this. The other suits come in with tequila and, he's, and he just immediately just stops his sad moment. He's like, you guys know I fucking love tequila. Come on in here. <laughs> And that movie Meanwhile, keeps doing this. It breaks up serious moments with comedy so perfectly. perfectly. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. It's such it's a so organically. Balance. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Dana makes it to the boardwalk um, and uh, thinks she, is, she has a break, but then the bear trap dude throws his trap at her and misses. He uh, wraps her... He wraps her and starts to choke her, but we cut to the suits all having a party and celebrating <laughs> another successful slaying of teens. Hadley is talking to a couple of his colleagues, and they are telling him how awesome everything was tonight, like they were watching a movie. <laughs> Hadley seems a bit bummed because he wished it was with Merman instead. Sirtison is checking in on the demo team and cracks a joke about the demo uh, about them not uh, demolishing the tunnel. And then one of them says that uh, it wasn't their fault because they never received the order. Sirtison thinks they are joking and tries to hug one of them, but he stops him and he says, "Seriously." <laughs> Someone else tells him that it was an electrical failure from upstairs. This stops uh, and this stops Citizen, and he asks them, "What do they mean?" 
we cut to a red phone ringing. Hadley and Titterson look at each other from across the room. Hadley orders them to turn the the music off so he can answer the phone. He picks up the phone and is telling them that that's impossible. The virgin is the only one left. He tells them that uh, he is not doubting them, but looks but looks at the screen to ask which one. Back with Dana crawling away from the giant fucker, and he <laughs> is about to strike her, but Marty stops his chain hey. uh, with the bong. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And Dana hits him in the head with a board, which forces him to fall in the shallow water. So it was super shallow. He just came up. Like yeah. <laughs> just um, even up. though it wasn't shallow before, he just stood up. Uh, Marty and Dana run into the grave, but uh, but it is actually a bunker. I thought this was so clever. Like I, I thought this was a clever way of doing this and adding this uh, and, and being like, cool, like they're not too far away from this place kind of thing. Like I thought that was really, really fun and yeah. really clever. Uh, I got to get a drink of water. Excuse me. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought, I thought this entire scene was pretty clever to see how they actually brought up the, the monsters up, which is kind of cool. And this is the part where I feel like it gets really exciting because I feel like Oh yeah! At this, this point, you're like, okay, goes from zero to hundred. Yeah, this movie's yeah, over, getting ready to wind down, and you're like, wait, there's more? Fuck no, we're climaxing, baby. <laughs> Marty asks if there's anyone left, and she tells him no, there isn't. She lets him know uh, that he knew everything all along. He kind of gave her that look, where he was like, yeah, I fucking know. And then he tells her that she uh, that he didn't know everything. He sparks a few wires, and it opens up an elevator hatch. Awesome. Marty tells her that he can get that he can get it to go down, and they jump in to start heading down. And I, I, it made me think, what the fuck was his major in college? <laughs> right. How do you know this? Like, when you, he hasn't so been an crazy. engineer of some kind, but whatever. The elevator goes down, then stops. Uh, goes right, then stops. Dana moves closer to the glass, and a, and um, a wolf man runs into the glass. The elevator starts moving again and stops in front of a misting ghost, and starts to move yet again, stopping in front of a little girl dressed as a ballerina with no eyes and just sharp teeth to cover up her whole face. Mm. On the other side, we see a man with hacksaws in his head holding the ball that Kurt um, was also holding earlier in the film. Dana figures out that they chose how they were going to die when they were in the cellar. She starts banging on the glass, and the elevator starts moving yet again. Then we get a glimpse of all of the fucked up monsters that this facility has for everyone's painful, painful demise. (laughs) Damn. Great monster design. So good. So oh, yeah, good. super fun. Um, yep. I, I, and then, you know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you guys are familiar Coast. with something called... No, not 13 Coast, <laughs> but uh, I, I can see the correlation. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, uh, something called the SCP Foundation. Have you guys heard of that? No. No. So SCP, uh, Secure, Contain, um, Protect Foundation, is something that uh, has been going on around on the internet for years but initially what it is, it's this facility that has monsters in it, and it holds all these monsters. And I'm telling you, this thing's been around since, like, 2003. And each monster has a particular thing. One of the most popular ones, I want to say his name is Billy or something like that, where initially, if you look at him, he won't move. But if you don't look at him, he'll start to move towards you. And it's fucked up. Damn, that sounds <laughs> um, spooky. 
Yeah, it's super yeah. creepy, and some some aren't creepy. Some are like funny um, and things like that. But it's just everything in, in that facility um, was placed there. Like there's this one that is I like, and they all have numbers too. But there's this one that was placed there that's a stairway to nowhere. And it reminds me a lot like in Super Mario 64. Oh my God, I was going to say that. When you try to go to Bowser's first. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's it's initially just like that. Dude, as a kid, I would spend hours, literally hours, be like, I could get Trying up there. Trying to go up? Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 oh, do, dude, do, do. I would have nightmares about that staircase. I'm not even joking. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, it was, it was scary. The yeah. music was scary too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, like that, that's initially... That's what this reminds me of, and I'm pretty sure that's where they got the idea of this foundation from. Man, that's cool. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised really cool. if they got the idea from that. Uh, we cut to Citizen and Hadley going nuts trying to figure out how to kill Marty, not Dana. Daniel spots them, and Citizen gives the coordinates to kill them. Once the door opens, an, an agent holding a gun tells him to get out of the elevator, but the zombie arm grabs his leg, and he starts shooting at it. While shooting, Dana and Marty shove him... Um, uh, shove him and he hits his head and uh, they get out of the elevator. You see the little zombie hand going towards him, grabs his <sighs> face. <laughs> Dana and Marty are trying to figure out how they can uh, get out of there. A voice on the, on an intercom tells them th- uh, that they shouldn't be there and that this should have gone differently. Mm. Meanwhile, there are soldiers com- uh, coming after them. I spelled soldiers wrong here. <laughs> Dana and Marty <laughs> run onto another control room, and the and the people start shooting at them. Uh, Dana Dana notices that there uh, that this room is actually the control room that actually allows all the monsters to come out of their prison, and pushes the button to let them all out. I put here, mm. fuck yeah, dude, this was so cool, so good, oh, so great. The elevator opens and it is chaos. Many soldiers come in and notice that all of them are dead and there is zero hope left. Um, and I even put here, I can't even write the rest of this because it's that nuts. And like, like seriously, like it was so many jump cuts of so many different types of people dying. And it, oh, it's, it's just insane. Jesus Christ. Like Super I, I, creative I couldn't too. follow it. I couldn't follow it. I was just like, this is, uh, this is just going to be this part where I stop and I'm just going to skip. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so a lot of people die, people. <laughs> Citizen Lynn, Hadley, and Daniel are trying to get their defenses back up. Something starts banging on the vaulted door. Dana and Marty are still in the room, but the big bat burst into the room with them. They split out of there, and while running, the bat gets someone else to help them to help their escape. More monsters start coming at this point in time, but they go inside the hole that was created by the bat monster. Some chick dies by a clown. One dies by a fucking unicorn. And, uh, and this shit's just crazy, you guys. I don't, I don't know what to yeah, tell you. It's, but, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. Uh, back with the suits, we and some scarecrow motherfuckers come in, start fucking Daniel up, start like ripping him to shreds, but he doesn't go out like a little bitch. He fucking pulls out a grenade. And blows everyone, including himself, up. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah badass move. Um, you know, it's actually true that you can technically survive with your guts out for a little while. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Sketch. I know. I know. Yeah, so you feel all of that stuff. It's pretty crazy. But no, like, seriously, like, you, like, it's because most of that, they're vital organs, but they're not, like, vital nerves that's going to cause a traumatic amount of bleeding. Fucking imagine that. Imagine having your guts out of you. 
Ugh, I freak out when it. I have like like just a little bit of skin showing when I get a cut. So, you know. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> it sends Hadley flying, but we can hear something coming closer to him when he uh when he is coming to his senses and oh that's right. The merman. Susan <laughs> continues trying to get the bunker open and Lynn is t- is uh taking away is taken away by a huge tentacle. Fuck! It's crazy! He gets it open and heads down there just to be stabbed by Dana. Sucks to suck. Yes! <laughs> so good! They are about to walk away, but Citizen grabs Dana and he tells her to kill him before he... Before um she... Before he... Oh, wait. Excuse me. Kill him before he actually died. Marty tells her that they have to, that they need to keep going, and he hands her the gun. Dana is confused by his statement, but continues forward anyway. They make it into the room where the blood filled the carvings that represented their friends. Dana tells him that this is part of the ritual for the sacrifices. While trying to figure all this shit out, the director and its motherfucking Sigourney Weaver right? so steps out to explain the situation. How fucking surprised were you guys when Sigourney Weaver popped out? You know what? When I saw it this it? time around, I remembered being surprised last time, and I was like, "Of yeah. all people, so good for real, so good." And and like, I I wish they would have given her a name. Yeah, I wish they would have just given her Director Ridley. That would have been the icing on the goddamn cake right there. <laughs> Director Ridley, just like an alien. Oh my god, that would have been the icing on the cake. That would have been great. Um. She tells them that there's this, that there's these ancient things always requ- that always required youth, and then you get the the uh, five panels: the whore, Jules; the athlete, Kurt; the scholar, Holden; the fool, Marty; and the virgin, Dana. But <laughs> the virgin is all up to fate and can either live or die. The director tells them that if they don't succeed with the Ancient Ones, will rise and Earth will be doomed. She also tells them that the other rituals have failed. And then the, and, and then the room starts to violently rumble. She tells them that the sun is coming up in eight minutes and that if they live to see it, there would be nothing left. Marty tells her that maybe it should be, be this way. But Dana holds the gun up to the back of his head and is convinced that he should die to save the world. Dana apologizes while holding the gun at Marty, but then he apologizes back at her because he sees the Wolfman coming up right behind her. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I would have done the same <laughs> so thing. So good. Karma. Yep. This fucking thing starts shredding her to fucking pieces. But Marty is still an awesome guy and he doesn't let her suffer and instead starts shooting the Wolfman until it runs off. The director starts whooping his ass, though. While they are tussling, the dead girl from before comes down the stairs, and Dana is calling out to to warn him. He turns around, and the zombie actually strikes the director instead. Marty walks back over to sit with Dana. Dana tells Marty that she, uh, tells Marty and says that that she doesn't think Kurt had a cousin after all. <laughs> and Marty asks her how how is she doing, and she says that she's dying. Marty sparks one up real quick so they can have one last smoke before the world goes to shit. They both wish they could see what the evil gods actually look like before they went. And then the room starts to crumble. A huge arm burst from the ground and then credits. Savage. What a fucking movie, dude. Dude, I wanted to see the ancients so badly. 
Me too. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to see it after I saw the hand. Yeah, that's, that's a good a point. Che- that's a little, that's a little CGI I, cheese. I always there. get... Um, <laughs> I remember feeling this the first time I watched this movie, but I got very much Majora's Mask vibes from The Legend of Zelda because like... Ooh! You know? If wow. you, if, yeah. For those that don't know, there's like four ancients that hold the moon up before it crashes to the planet and... I don't know why I think of that. No, that makes no, that's sense. Fair. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. The moon has a face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like that. So cool. This is gross. It's so scary. <laughs> Skull kid, man. Scary motherfucker. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Got some movie facts for us. Movie hey. facts. Let's get it. During the lake scene, the only student not uh, the only student to not jump in into the lake was Marty, who remains fully clothed on the dock. This is partially due to Franz, Fran uh, Kranz noticeably being in as good, if not better, shape than the other male students. Oh damn! In the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in wow. the commentary for the film, the writers joke that he was ripped like muscular Jesus, oh. and assert that if Marty were to sh- uh, were shown being the fit. Uh, to being the fittest, it would have ruined his character. This is partly also why Marty wears baggier clothes than the other students. What so I had fuck? to look this up. I want to look it up right? too. I had to look it up. The dude is was fucking ripped, dog. Oh like, damn! The dude was fucking ripped. Hold so, up, I'm I'm googling right now. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you, like you, you gotta you gotta look this up. Um, because I think I just looked up like like Fran Cran's uh, ripped. And it was like the, this image of him standing in a kitchen. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Like, it, it's pretty nuts. But. Anyway. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude's ripped. Okay. Holy um, shit. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> got a chest there, too. Is open. Yeah, he does. It, it, it's nice. I was like, Jesus, dude, this dude's actually kind of godly. The, fuck? The, the movie's opening was a <laughs> deliberate attempt by filmmakers Drew Goddard and Josh Whedon to confuse the audience and make them think they walked into the, to see the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> Makes total sense. Makes total sense. <laughs> All right, here you go. This is for David. The thermal coffee mug slash bong was fully functional was a fully functional mug and bong as portrayed in the film. The prototype cost five thousand dollars to make. Wow, Damn. that's insane. <laughs> so you're saying it could be bought? It could be bought <laughs> for sure. When Damn, Jules kisses the wolf head on the wall, the wolf's tongue is covered in powdered sugar to give it a dusty look and to make the scene tolerable for Anna for Anna Hutchinson. Uh, nice. Yeah, I remember looking at him like that shit looked dirty. Dirty, but it looks Hella way dirty. more sense now. <laughs> it looks fucking grimy, dog. Uh, Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote this script in three days. That's insane. What? They wrote yeah. it in a weekend. Three days. I know about oh that. God. That's they wrote genius. it in a weekend, right? and it's so good. It's such yeah, a good script. Impressive. It's insane. Yeah, that's why this. That's why this movie didn't take that long to make. No. Um, yeah. Oh, fucking awesome. Much of Drew Goddard's inspiration for this movie came from his own upbringing in Los Amos, New Mexico, a place filled with scientists and co-workers all going about their business and living seemingly routine in ordinary lives, even though they were building nuclear weapons that could potentially destroy the entire world. He talks about this in, in the DVD special features interviews and commentary. That's wild. And it makes perfect yeah. sense. It makes a lot of sense. I actually have a... Well... He's my family member now by uh, by law, <laughs> but uh, and I'm not I'm not gonna say his name, but 
uh, he initially works for a laboratory that builds nuclear weapons. Yeah. He's an astrophysicist. <gasps> Very nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he's also uh, working with uh, the team right now that's trying to figure out uh, how to fight back symptoms of COVID-19. Oh, very nice. The people's yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew Goddard and Josh Whedon wrote the screenplay for themselves after both came off failed film projects, which they definitely did. They locked themselves in a hotel room in order to challenge themselves and write almost an entire script in one weekend. Hey. hey. Very nice. During production, MGM saw the um, dallies of a scene where Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth instructs his friends on the basis of... On the basis of his performance, they signed him for Red Dawn. Two days later, Hemsworth was chosen to play the lead in Thor. Both Red Dawn and The Cabin in the Woods would eventually be delayed for several years when MGM went bankrupt and were finally released mm. a year after Thor was released. So there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> that was an early movie fact for everyone. Early movie fact. <laughs> the Latin that Dana reads from the diary is Dolor Supervivo uh, super Caro, Dolor Sublimis uh, Caro, Dolor Igneo Animus. It means pain outlives the flesh, pain raises the flesh, pain ignites the spirit. Mm. So there you go. You read it. Ooh. I did. I read it. Uh, the blood spewing <laughs> out of the... Mer- uh, uh, it's funny because like a lot of people think Latin is like of like demons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah. Greek. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Greek is most of like the things that are like when people are like using them for like horror films and things like that. It's all in Greek. Interesting. Latin's Latin's just a language that was words that were disassembled that we combine. Like for example, biology, that's Latin bio. Ology. <laughs> uh, so yeah, most of the English language is Latin, just combined. <laughs> um, the blood spewing out of the merman's blowhole was a very late idea that made it into the film. The director joked that the blood shot out of the no- out for nine minutes, but only last ten seconds of this uh, shot was actually used. Jesus, Jesus. Christ, that's <laughs> awesome. Oh, here's here's my fact. Kevin, one of the monsters on the whiteboard, is a tribute to the Elijah Wood character in the same name from the movie Sin City, the original uh and the original Frank Miller graphic novel. Another early nice. movie fact. Another early movie fact. Uh I'll do a f- couple more and then we'll go ahead and conclude. The being with the golden spear is named um in the credits as for Nor- uh Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. Wow. What a Hot. name. Hot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Spin-off movie. <laughs> Hot. Uh, Drew Goddard was extremely uncomfortable directing Anna Hutchinson's nude scene. Goddard attributes his high level of discomfort with nudity to his Catholic upbringing. But the director says that Hutchinson was pu- uh, purely professional and actually com- uh, uh, confronted uh, and actually confronted him by suggesting that taking her top off was not a big deal at all. Okay. Oh, oh wow! Huh. Yeah. One more, and then we're gonna go ahead and conclude. Uh, let's get a juicy one, though. A juicy Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> it was during production of this film that Josh Whedon met Chris Hemsworth and wanted him to play Thor in the Avengers. However, he knew that Marvel would expect him to use whoever was cast in the upcoming fil- film of Thor. 
Chris was, at the time, not under consideration, and Kenneth Branagh was strongly considered his brother who strongly considered his brother Liam Hensworth instead. We didn't ask Bernal to give Chris another chance, and he ended up landing the role shortly after. Nice. There you go. Um, Oh, one more, one more. Let's talk about the inspirations behind this film. The Evil Dead 1981, 1984, the movie, 1984, Resident Evil 2002, Cabin Fever 2002, and Saw 2004 were all influences behind this film. I can see it. I got very much uh, Evil Dead vibes as I was watching it. Oh, for sure. I got mainly Cabin Fever vibes, but yeah, I mean, I... You should get more Evil Dead vibes because there's zombies and things like yeah. that. But Cabin Fever just reminded me more of like friends just freaking out together. Um, yeah, that's true. And most of the most of the reasons why they died was pretty much because of them. So, no. fun fact about Cabin Fever: actually, the disease never kills them. <gasps> no, we never find out if the disease is actually if the disease actually is fatal because they all kill each other. Yeah, it's crazy. Cabin Fever. We should put that on the list. It's gross. <laughs> but tell us what you think about Cabin in the Woods, because we fucking love this movie, Doc. It's fucking <laughs> fun. It's so much fun. But tell us over at Twitter, at GoodnightLife, and that's night with a K, because uh, I want to know. I really, really deeply want to know. Uh, but the next movie that we do got on our list is going to be Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead to conclude our month off, and I am so excited for this. Oh, oh excited. I'm ready to watch this I again. I love Shaun of the Dead. And you and you haven't seen this, right? I saw it a long time ago, probably back in high school. I remember th- and I watched it by myself. Oh, nice. I remember thinking, eh, that's not that's whatever. What? I hate you. But that's why I'm ready to that. watch it again <laughs> because I feel like remember, I was really I, I said it earlier in this episode, I was really dumb back in the day. So I'm sure I'll be able to appreciate it now. Now that my brain you has will, fully developed. Yeah. You will fully yeah. appreciate this movie now. One hundred percent. I'm excited to watch this movie. I can also talk about my my uh, fun little movie tidbit that I had with Edgar Wright, even though I share it all the time. <laughs> but I don't care. It's super cool. Um, but this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. On the webs, we had David Retro Spoopy Boys. <laughs> 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 also known as Nightly. On the other side of the web, we got Freddy. Have a good night. And stay safe. Thanks. Also known oh. as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we'd love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget... <laughs>